And we are back again. Thank you, everyone. Um, our next presentation is by Greg Salinas, Director of Research and Assessment Services at CE Outcomes. We're going to be talking about patient-level outcomes, do's and don'ts, why's and how's. Just a reminder to everyone, again, um, you're welcome to send in your questions, either by the Q&A at the bottom of your video. You can tweet me, and you can uh, put them in the comment box on the CME Palooza website. Uh, so with that, I'm going to turn things over to Greg. So take it away. Sure. So thanks, Derek. Uh, I wanted to take a little bit of time today. I only have uh, 15 minutes on this, but I wanted just to do a quick overview of, of some of the experiences that we have with patient-level outcomes. Um, go to the next slide. Um, patient-level outcomes in our talk today, um, it's, we're referring to the uh, going beyond physician performance to assess patient health outcomes, that, that level six in, in the more pyramid there of, of how patients, uh, how physician education can impact patient-level outcomes. Um, so, so if you go to the next slide, um, patient health and outcomes are influenced by many factors. Uh, so, so there's a lot of things that go on that you follow along with me on the click in a few. Um, the first thing that, that, that patient health uh, could be influenced by um, is quality of and access to care. Click on the first one. Follow along there. Not moving. There we go. All right. So you've got quality of and access to care. So so the different types of access, the different types of quality a patient receives from their physician impacts their patient health. Uh, next, on uh, uh, another factor that's involved are the patient perceptions and the attitudes towards care. Different patients, uh, of course, come from different places, have different experiences, have different perceptions and attitudes. Uh, different things going on with their history, and thus that, that all influences their patient health. The next factor um, that, that needs to be considered uh, is the patient access to and use of outside informational educational sources. Patients go to other places than their physicians to get information education. So um, as you're developing physician education, you need to think about how, how this is just one of the many things that go into uh, the, the different education that the patient is receiving. Um, another factor is insurance type and status. Often that's, that's one of the big barriers that we see when talking about different types of uh, medication and, and ability to access or to, to receive types of care is that whether or not a patient can pay for it. Uh, so, so that needs to be considered also. Um, and, and the last factor we mentioned here um, are just uh, different, different demographics, specific patients patient characteristics, the age, gender, comorbidities, education level, income, these all matter. Um, and all of these go into uh, the, the, the overall idea here, uh, the next button there, of patient health. And so as you're assessing or thinking about assessing patient health outcomes, all of these different characteristics need to come, need to think you thought about as they come into play. Um, go to the next slide. So why? Why would you even want to assess patient health? It's, it's, it's a big, you know, it's, it's a lot of trouble. There's a lot of things that can go wrong. Um, but, however, if you do it right, you can get a lot of good, good things from it. So um, patient health outcome assessment uh, allows you more rigorous, go back, sorry, <laughs> allows a more, a more rigorous assessment for, for large multi-component programs. Uh, it, you, you can look really look at education designed to directly change patient health. Maybe that's education centered on the physician-patient dynamic, 
um, education that, that strongly incorporates patient materials and other things that, that really focuses on that, that patient health change. And this is the best way to do it. Um, and maybe your uh, physician population is particularly suited to gather patient data. Uh, for instance, you have a uh, you, you have a, a, a central database that you're using to gather data, and you it's it's really easy to get to. Sure, maybe maybe a, a patient study is right for you. Right. So considerations, uh, things to know before you get started. All right, the the first one there. Assessing patient outcomes is not necessarily appropriate for every program. I think this is a big one. Um, a lot of the times we get uh, requests for, you know, how, how can you do a patient outcomes on my study? Uh, can you help me out with patient outcomes on this? And, and it's not really the best intervention uh, for measuring patient outcomes. So uh, think about the optimal intervention. Is this program robust enough to realistically change patient outcomes? Is the target audience for the education appropriate? Are you really going to make changes um, in your uh, physician population enough to translate to patient health outcomes. And something you just really need to think about. Um, ensure the program objectives are defined. Sorry, go back. Ensure the program uh, objectives are defined and translate to patient outcomes. Will the right resources be provided to ensure patient change? Um, are these, are, are you providing patient handouts? Are you doing something that will, will help make that, that patient health outcomes uh, really are you doing something to, to change patient health um, and, and not just physicians? And do you know the specific needs of the patient community? Do you know that this is an area of need? Uh, do you know that, that there's a, a baseline level that is low that you can change to bump up? So, so these are, are, are uh, important things to think about before you get started. Uh, the next one there. Are you measuring patient outcomes or using patient data to measure physician processes? This is another big one that I think is, is confusing a lot at, for, for, for people first starting to get into this. Um, patient outcomes are, are very specific, um, such as you know, you've got different types of laboratory levels. Maybe you're measuring, you want to see changes. Maybe you want to see changes in quality of life. Maybe you want to see changes in satisfaction with care or understanding of disease. Um, however, you can use uh, uh, patient types of data, such as charts, and, and administrative data and other things that you think of as, uh, you know, commonly thought of as, as patient-level data to get physician measures, such as uh, me maybe measuring A1C level at different time points, referral, proper referrals, or, or providing asthma prescriptions on discharge, and things that you can get from the patient sources of data but are really physician measures and not necessarily patient measures. So uh, that's, that's, a, that's a big problem. Um, what patient variables are appropriate for the study? Are you looking at a particular age group? Are you looking at a particular gender? Uh, newly diagnosed versus uh, chronic disease. Uh, certain stage of disease, inpatient or outpatient. Um, all of these need to be controlled and, and, and make sure that, that any types of studies you're doing are appropriate for that population. And the next one. Uh, is the study realistic? Is your sample powered enough to show change? Do you have enough patients you're, you're, you're going to be measuring? To, to really show a, a significant change. Uh, does the proposed program align with patient health outcomes being measured? Um, are you measuring the thing that you're educating on? Uh, that's another big one that we see often is that, uh, you know, the, the measures that you're trying to, to show aren't necessarily what the education was about. Uh, so, so the realisticness of that changing is low. Um, is there enough time allotted in the plan to assess the outcome? If your supporter needs uh, data in three to six months, but you want patient-level data, you may not be able to get that in that time. So um, often patient-level data is, is gathered 
six months, a year, really how long do you need to really see changes in, in patient level data? Um, is there a focus on one or two main measures or, or have you maybe proposed a shotgun approach? Um, it's, it's, you know, pick, pick one or two things to measure. Um, if you're looking, if you want to see quality of life change, look at quality of life change. Don't look at every little thing you could possibly try. You can get some kind of significant thing at the end of the day. It never really works out. And are there standardized instruments to measure what you want to measure? There's a lot of publications on a lot of these things, so um, uh, it's something to look at before you get started. Is there a standardized way to measure the aspect of what you measure? All right, so um, the next thing we want to talk about here is how. Uh, how are the ways, uh, what are the ways of capturing patient data? And we talked a little bit about this before. Um, the, the first one that, that is commonly used is uh, the chart audit. And, and here you obtain de-identified patient health information directly from physicians who participated in a program. And you can see maybe over the course, get them to do a few different charts from the, their patient group. And over the course of time, you can see maybe some change based off of your education. Advantages here, um, you have this clinical chart information. You can gather data from before the intervention, so, so compare like a pre-post like that. Um, and you can design it as to have minimal HIPAA issues. Um, disadvantages here is often difficult to get true patient data and not physician data. Um, you know, maybe if you're looking specifically at a lab value, that, um, you can understand that. Um, this may not be completely objective. You have physicians entering their own data, so um, sometimes we have seen uh, physicians say that, oh, well, I've, I've done this, so I'm going to check it. So that might be a disadvantage here. Um, big data, registries, electronic health record data. Um, this is uh, expensive, um, but it's, it's the big thing people are doing. And a quote I heard recently, big data is like teenage sex. Everyone talks about it. Nobody really knows how to do it. Everyone thinks everyone else is doing it, so everyone claims they are doing it. Um, and I think that's pretty true. Um, this it's the big, the big uh, buzzword right now, and uh, I think that there's a lot to learn about how to use big data. Um, right now, pretty expensive, um, but you have all this data, um, but the data there may not answer the question you want to ask. So um, the way I, I typically prefer, and you know, this is my personal preference, the next one is a patient survey data, and here you are uh, basically asking uh, uh, physicians who participate in the uh, activity on the patient survey data there, Derek. Um, the, the physicians who participate in the activity to, to pass out some questionnaires or, or, or links to questionnaires to their patients, and then you get the data directly gathered from them. You can use validated instruments. You can understand the softer side of medicine, such as quality of life, and understand their point of view. Disadvantages, there's more HIPAA requirements here. You need a little bit more oversight and a larger sample. So um, that, that's the one I prefer, just because you get the best data there. Go on to the next one. All right. So at the end of the day, after you do all this, what can you say? Hopefully you can say the education helped clinicians make an impact on patient health. The education improved patient health in specific ways. And the education was successful in changing uh, patient health. So, um, uh, you know, the patient data is a good understanding of how an education works in real world uh, uh, it real, it very applicable to the to the real world condition of patients. So um, I think it's it's worth doing, but just make sure you do it right. Um, so if you click on the next one, you got my information there. Um, if you have any questions, feel free to email me, and uh, this this Prezi is available here. 
Um, and I've got that Twitter right there for just contact me if you need. That's great, Greg. Thanks. I appreciate uh, your uh, presentation and uh, for joining us with CME Palooza. Um, we are right on target at noon for our break. Yay! So <laughs> just to go uh, get a glass of water and something else. Um, so we will be back online at 12:30. So you have a half hour break to. Uh, grab uh, something to eat and come on back. Uh, joining us at 12.30 is going to be Eric Brady, who's going to be talking about excellent tricks for the non-expert exploring the beauty of the cells. Uh, and he'll be doing a demo of uh, Excel and some different uh, things that you can do with that. So I think it's going to be uh, really good. Uh, thank you all for participating this morning. Uh, and I will see you all in half an hour. Thanks again, Greg. Thank you.